I remember once uh, meeting a university professor who was famous uh, from, for quoting at length from his own books that he himself had written. I won't tell you his name, and he's just recently died anyway, uh, but if his name was John Smith, say, he would stand up in a lecture and go like this. As John Smith wrote in the best-selling textbook on this subject in 1999, and as John Smith earlier wrote in 1980, revising his views in a groundbreaking article in 1985, so I stand here today and say I fully agree with everything John Smith said. <laughs> Believe it or not, I only exaggerate ever so slightly. Those who make a name for themselves is one thing, and the Bible, particularly Proverbs, does have quite a lot to say about having a good name or reputation. But those who seek to build monuments to their achievements, who take pride and turn it into palaces, well, there goes the way of folly. And the picture we've seen today and is up there is by the artist Bruegel and was painted in about 1563. And it is of one of the greatest follies of all namely the Tower of Babel. It's the story, which you can find in Genesis 11, of a people who build a city with a tower tall enough even to touch the sky, so that they would be famous. The Lord, seeing their over-the-top ambition, confused their language so that they wouldn't be able to understand each other's speech. Thereafter, it was called Babel, and the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. An act of pride became one of humiliation. The Tower of Babel, of course, has happened in one form or another ever since. There's a line in the reading we had just heard that Olive read to us, instructing us to be perfect. Well, you know, in an Instagrammable world, we do try. We put filters up, we adjust the lighting, we pose about 20 million times trying to get the shot right. Also, we can, in fact, appear perfect without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or gray hair. <laughs> and so others can see our posts and aspire to be just as perfect as us and quite probably be a little jealous as well. But there's a deep dark and occasionally dangerous side to this kind of perfection. For one, it's fake news. <laughs> Nothing is as good as it looks on Instagram. IRL, or in real life, <laughs> people don't look like their profiles, not really. Because that search for perfection is entirely in the wrong kind of place. It's like the digital version of the Tower of Babel. It takes reputation and builds its own tower whose main attraction, whose glory, whose attention is us. The perfection that we've heard in the reading this morning does not, of course, equal that kind of perfection. Instead, it equals wholeness. And wholeness of character, wholeness in Christ, wholeness by the work of the Holy Spirit, Wholeness in God's economy comes from deep need, great failure, and desperate want. 
not from boasting in our praise, but in kneeling in prayer, not from building towers to the sky, but instead dwelling in the garden of Gethsemane with the Christ on his way to the tomb, not from proclaiming our greatness and goodness, but from holding that which is great about us, that we are created by God, that we are loved by God, that we are shaped by God, and putting that alongside all the kinds of grief that we encounter in life. Wholeness comes not in a moment, in an Instagram shot, but over a lifetime. And for an Instagrammable, instantaneous culture, a lifetime of refining, a lifetime of character building, a lifetime of getting to know Jesus more and more each day, a lifetime of being open to the work of the Holy Spirit shaping our innermost being, that's utterly countercultural, and for some is utterly foolish. But at the end of all things, it is far richer, far better, and far wiser. Wisdom and foolishness, celebration and lament. We lament this week, don't we? The utter devastation wrought by Cyclone Gabriella in this country. And we think of similar disasters elsewhere in the world. Recently, of course, the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, in history, and of course, in this place. With such tragedy comes lament. The Bible tells us that the spirit groans when we have no words of our own. The world is a mess. How is God's grief to be expressed? We can be the people in whose midst God's own grief and lament find expression, as it does in the very center of our faith at the cross. We all have our own laments. Every face you see hides some secret sorrow. And part of the point of the gospel is that that sorrow, that lament, is somehow taken up in the passion of the Christ so that the gospel of the crucified Messiah is embodied in us as individuals and as communities. So we go out as wounded healers, not as those for whom everything is perfect. And if you think about those who are most wise that you know, and what might distinguish them from those that perhaps are most foolish, it may be that their wisdom is shaped by suffering, shaped by lament, made stronger in weakness, richer in poverty, shaped by the cross. But it's shaped not only by the crucified Messiah, but by the Messiah risen, ascended, and glorified. For wholeness comes from knowing that this Lenten season, which we begin this week with Ash Wednesday, takes us to the cross and beyond to the risen Christ. 
And that's where we boast. That's where we find wholeness in the one who himself makes us whole, in the one who confounded expectations of greatness by being born in a manger, riding on a donkey, and dying on a cross, in the one who triumphed over the last enemy of death itself. In that resurrection hope we have every day. And you know what? There's no filter there. It is real life. It is wholeness. It is, you could say, perfect.